Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Matt Lieb. And I'm Vince Mancini. And this is Pod Pod Yourself a Gun, a Sopranos podcast where Vince Mancini and I go through every single episode of The Sopranos and talk about it. It is uh, the world's only Sopranos podcast, and we thank you for listening to it, although you had no other choice. Isn't that right, Vince? That's right. I miss when people used to say onlyest, like I was watching some... Was onlyest a thing? Yeah, like Muhammad Ali. I was watching an old Muhammad Ali interview, and he was like, "I'm the onlyest fighter." Blah blah blah. Um, yeah, but he made up lots of words. That I was like part I, of part of the charm. I don't think that was just him. But in any case, we are the onlyest Sopranos. We podcast are. On we the are the world's onlyest Sopranos podcast. Um, a by the way, a joke that I've done on the internet a few times and had people scream at me on Twitter. Uh, because they are like, you are not the world's only Sopranos podcast. And I'm like, you know that this is a joke about you, right? <laughs> this is at your expense. Uh, but yeah, no, there, but, and we actually are the only, so please don't go and look for any other ones. Uh, Vince and I, we talk about everything in the episode from the mise-en-scene to the sen on mise. We love <laughs> We love art, and we love to talk about it, Um, and our guest today also loves to talk about it, uh, and loves to talk about everything from the tech world to the rest of the world. Ladies and gentlemen, from the New York Times, it is Mike Isaac. What's up, Mike? Hey, hey, how are you? You have basically encapsulated my whole life, tech and everything else. That is what I like to talk about. Those are the two things, you know, and, uh, you know, I, 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 I realized that this is one of the rare times where I didn't, um, double check the intro with the guest. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't be like, Hey, so are you okay with, uh, and so I just kind of made it up as I went along. I knew that tech was in there and I knew New York times was in there. That's- and, uh, all there is to me really i didn't i didn't miss anything i mean you know i could say how many you got a lot of followers on twitter that's a big thing i got a, I got a few that i guess is although i feel like that is not something i would lead with i feel like that's kind of sad right now i don't know i mean maybe it's not sad maybe that's cool what about the no, book i mean you're you're trying to sell that still, right yeah, yeah actually i will push that right now i wrote a book um it's yeah a tech book it's on uh, Uber, it's called Super Pumped, the battle for Uber, but it's really a larger, I won't go into the whole thing, but it's really a larger view on how fucked up the tech world can be and yeah. how companies can implode and um, uh, all that stuff. So, I yes, like, did you, buy that book. Did you, you did you get into Travis, I, I read the book, but I can't remember uh, if you got right into on. Travis Kalanick's thing with the ghost kitchens or was that like too? No, too, yeah. so it, we stopped. Um, <laughs> do you know what this is, Matt? Do you know the ghost kitchens? No, I you, know you're about in LA. The, uh, well, I know about the ghost, the ghost kitchens, it, correct me if I'm wrong, wasn't yeah. it like uh, you didn't get served by a person, you got served by a robot that put it in a box and you had to eat 
the box. You get, some, <laughs> you get served by a ghost. Actually. Yeah, you get you, served by a ghost. No, it's it's. Oh no, no, the ghost kitchen. Sorry, there's many, many tech things that I'm. That they're all coming back to me now. <laughs> the ghost kitchen is a kitchen that is multiple restaurants. Yes, that's right. Like, yes, they they ran out of. I did like I did the other. There's this thing in San Francisco. Oh, fuck, what's it called? It was, it's some robot kitchen thing where you like walk up to the box and you take yeah, the yeah, food yeah, out. Yeah. That's what you're thinking of, but this is not that. I just the had to go through kitchen. the like the post-apocalyptic Rolodex of weird, you know, <laughs> yeah. technological marvels that I, we had to endure while living in San Francisco. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? You're, you're lucky you got out. No, this yeah. is his, this is, I didn't get into that uh, in the book. That's sort of uh, what he's doing now. Travis Kalanick, former CEO of Uber. Now he's down in LA with Matt um, doing Hell ghost yeah. kitchens and and uh, yeah, uh, we lived nothing. together, me and Travis. Yeah, dude. I think it was like I kind of got got done with the book and I was like, ah, oh, what's what's Travis Kalanick up to this, these days? Maybe he like has learned his lesson. And he's like doing something like good now, and then immediately got into ghost kitchens, which is like of all the tech things, I think it's like the most dystopian because it was basically mm-hmm. like he got money from like. I don't know, like sa- like crazy, like Saudi money and all these mm-hmm. like random dark money people. And he, Hell kinda, yeah. he got this money and he used it to start this thing where like it basically has turned into where uh, like they use data to find out what food is popular in an area. And then they like create like a concept <laughs> yeah. for a restaurant that only exists online. And then they and then they hire like random, uh, you know, gig workers to make the food for the, to make the menu it's that's so all dystopian. based on data. It's Super insane. Dark. It's, like, like, yeah. it's like this view of food where it's just sort of like, it's sort of like Soylent where they see like food as like <laughs> yeah. something to be like distributed and, and consumed without like, the idea that maybe you like going to a restaurant or right. maybe, you know, it's, it's super fucked up. Yeah. yeah. Or that like, you know, a, a human touch matters in yeah. someone cooking something for you. No, I think, robots. Yeah. They're like, no, 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 no. Robot chefs, dude. It would be yeah. like, this would be like if, um, Vesuvio and, uh, that shrimp <laughs> restaurant that's really, um, or no, the sushi restaurant that's really popular in season six. Like if they were in the same place, I'm trying to tie it to Sopranos. No, I got not, it. That was a not good doing a great job. <laughs> what it reminds me of is like when I used, always used to, uh, say like when you go to a bad, like diner that does breakfast and you get the, mm-hmm. the bad home fries, which I, I used to call them fuck you potatoes. Cause it's yeah, like, yeah. they're sort of, they're serving you the idea of potatoes. Cause they know they like potato. They know people like potatoes with breakfast, even though like mm-hmm. the chef doesn't give a shit about them at all. So like ghost kitchens are basically like only that, like we know people like this one thing. So we're going to serve you the idea of this thing without, <laughs> without like any love or, you know, yeah. investment in it. Anyway, I just, yeah. That's that's yeah. what your book led me to is that was these dark <laughs> fucking articles about ghost kitchens. That's it. Thank you for reading it. That's cool. You <laughs> yeah, read that's it. great. <laughs> Anyways, well, that's enough. That's enough about uh, non-Sopranos topics. All right. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know what you, I, did it. I don't know what you think people came here for, guys. <laughs> but uh, I'm pretty sure it's not ghost kitchens. It's uh, uh, I'm gonna get it. Hold on. It's uh, it's not ghost kitchens. It's uh, ghost uh, fishing. Fi- yeah, sleeping with the fishins. Anyways, <laughs> <laughs> boom. Got, still it, got it, dude. Man. You still Thank got it. God. Yeah. Oh God. I'm sweating now. Um, but before we get into the rest of the show, uh, I would be remiss if we did not lead off with the theme song. 
pod. 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 Podcast. Pod. 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 Podcast. Oh. Uh, thank you. That is literally. That is literally why we bring people on this podcast. I just, I just want them to hear. Yeah, we can just end the podcast now. This is why Matt does it. He wants a All little right, validation guys. for his song mashups. I laughed. I was laughing. That was good. It sounded like the Crystal Method meets uh, Matt Lieb. Yep. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's that's what I was going for. All right. So today we are talking about season three, episode seven, second opinion, Vince. Can you break us down a little bit of that synopsis? Sure. Tony convinces Uncle Junior to seek a second opinion for his cancer treatment. Meanwhile, Carmela debates whether or not to take Dr. Melfi's advice and see a shrink. Big Pussy's wife, Angie, regrets asking Carmela for some money to help her sick dog. And Christopher continues to endure a humiliating probation period at the hands of Kinky Polly. Ooh, Kinky Polly. Yeah. I like that. There's a little flair. They yeah. definitely they they tease a little bit of what's going to happen with Polly in this episode without giving too much away. Um, so yeah, Vince, this episode came out April eighth, two thousand one. So I think we should get a little bit of cultural context of what was going on in America when this episode was out. Yeah, are you talking about firing up the Remember When machine? Oh, you're goddamn right, I am, oh, dude. <laughs> good, I love it. You know, art doesn't exist without cultural context and that's why sure. the remember when machine exists remember when it's the lowest form of conversation boom um yeah so uh headlines well let's start with happenings uh on april sure. 8th 2001 tiger woods uh won his second masters tournament Wow, mm, he was still in the him. good graces of of everyone, right? Yeah, yeah people We're loved calling. him. They were like, "There's no way this guy fucks," <laughs> <laughs> yeah. which is weird. I gotta say, the, <laughs> which is not realistic. The, the, the entire like, I I'm now looking back, you know, uh, to the entire like Tiger Woods fall from grace. Well, not not really the worst scandal no, the I've worst ever heard. The worst part about that was it was like he this guy's the best golfer in the world. The only problem is that he's the most boring human alive. And he's yeah, like, oh, yes. Uh, today, I, you know, I, I rate my long irons game about like a C. I uh, hit yeah. the short irons, and then he finally does something to make himself interesting, and then he immediately yeah. starts sucking at golf, and it's, uh, it's just a shame. Like, yeah, and it's weird because it's like you know like just look at how unhappy this dude is while playing golf yeah. when he's like the the one thing that he is good at he is the most unhappy at like you i've never seen him smile on a golf course unless he is one you know what i mean it's yeah. just like it's just a, you could tell there's a lot of sadness in the fact that this is his gift yeah. and like just let the man fuck <laughs> i know Didn't like, he, like you know, grow up with like a really intense dad was yeah like yeah super 
super yeah, yeah. His dad movie. was like, it was no, like there a, was there was crazy stories mom. about how like, there was crazy stories about how Earl Woods used to supposedly do like William Tell, Tell type shit, where he would stand like ten oh. feet in front of Tiger and like make him hit balls and make it, make him hit <laughs> oh balls God. over his head and shit. I don't know if that's true, <laughs> but like that's no. do it, coward, <laughs> do it. Yeah. Hit the ball right in my teeth. <laughs> like, that is, uh, that is really, I mean, I, like, and also it's little Tiger Woods going, Daddy, I don't want to do it. <laughs> you know, he's just like a sad little nerd kid. Oh, man. Oh, like, yeah. just let him fuck, dude. You're a killer tiger. Do it. Um, yeah. No, Dad, I'm a baby bird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've always said, like, being... If someone wanted to be the Dennis Rodman of golf, it would be so easy. Like, uh, yeah, people were. Uh, well, you got to be kind of good Fowler at golf first. He wears like a orange hat. Like you don't have to do anything. It's easy. Yeah. You know, I read both of Dennis Rodman's autobiographies <laughs> when I was in middle school. Not just bad as I want to be. But yeah. What was the next one? Like, I didn't know the there was a second one. There were two. Uh, he was naked on both covers, and <laughs> nice. I think I looked up to him as a kid. Yeah, I did too. But I, I, what what I do. liked about him was that <laughs> yeah. he he seemed to uh, he seemed to be able to be a basketball player uh, without being a great scorer. And I always looked up to that because I was like, "See, that's gonna be me someday. <laughs> I don't need to learn how to, like get the ball in the hoop. I'm just gonna block and I'm gonna rebound." And I was bad yeah. at that too, but it gave me hope. Yeah. Um, there weren't a lot of interesting headlines on this day, but uh, I did find this one strange story in the New York Post. Um, and mm -hmm. I think you'll know why I picked it in a second. Uh, the headline mm -hmm. is just pressed into service. Um, Panino is not the newest character on The Sopranos. It's the hottest sandwich in New York. Although oh it comes my God. <laughs> Jesus. That is worse than Matt's <laughs> Although it comes in many varieties, the Panino, Little Bread, is generally a grilled concoction of sliced meat and cheese, or it can be vegetarian, with a little oil and perhaps a sprig of rosemary and garlic between two slices of focaccia. Ingredients Holy range shit. from the simple to the exotic, but the secret of this sandwich is in the grilling. Now I swear can... to God, yeah. this, this headline reads like, and this was the last time that Italians were considered ethnic in America. <laughs> like this, they, they are talking about this, like it's this ethnic food. Like yeah. The panino as it's called in Italia is yeah. a little bread sandwich. This is it's this very, is, it's very like local newscaster. Like you can just imagine yeah. a local news reporter being, like, it's called panino and your yeah. kids could be doing it. <laughs> yeah. Holy shit. Is that shit. a different thing than a panini? Like is a panino, <laughs> The proper i, I or don't did know they, like bastardize it well, and it became panini i think panini, panini like plural yeah i think panini panini is just the plural oh um, oh my god i didn't know that like there was a i mean of course there was a beginning date for america's uh obsession with the panini sandwich <laughs> yeah. um but uh yeah i just didn't think it was you know april 8th 2001 you didn't you didn't get, let me get to the kicker of this uh article oh please article, please great uh, now you can have commercial quality grill. Now you can have a commercial quality grill to use at home. The Panini Professional Grill with deep ridged cast iron grilling plates, hinged weighted lid, temperature controls, and indicator lights quickly and evenly cook sandwiches or a steak. 
at up to 575 degrees. And then in the parenthetical, it's $899 through the Williams-Sonoma's <laughs> catalog. Oh, my God. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Holy shit. That's, that's incredible. And I think um, relevant to this podcast, which is, <laughs> I mean, I got to say, it, it, so far, both of the things in the Remember When machine are relevant. We're talking golf. And we're talking yeah. uh, Italian sandwiches. That's right. Yeah, we. I, yeah. I didn't check to see this, but I don't know when the uh, George Foreman grill was invented, but I have to imagine it was just around this time. It was just like the time when America was crazy for grilling. Yeah, That's no, but exactly. they wanted to, they wanted electric grilling. They were done with charcoal. <laughs> yeah. They were like, this is America. We do electricity grilling and we do it inside the house and it is more healthy for you. Like that's, <laughs> that's what, that was the time we were living in, you know, pre 9-11 America. I was thinking like, is a George Foreman grill just a panino? Pre- like that, like is it, it is. It's half of, half of, oh, I guess it is. Yeah. It is a whole panini. No, it's a whole. It's a. It's a. It's a panini press. Um, but it's like at an angle so that all of the delicious Grease. parts of the juices can can roll off. <laughs> so you yeah. can dry your sandwich. Yeah, you yeah. Know. You get a nice dry sandwich. <laughs> it dries and put a nice as it dry cooks. steak in it. Yeah. <laughs> it <laughs> Sounds dry. great. Set it and forget it. Um, uh, top, yeah. No. Top movies in the country were Spy Kids again. Mm-hmm. Um, along came Hell the yeah. spider, which was, uh, I believe. Um, Morgan Freeman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Saw that in the theater. Yeah. yeah. And Blow. Mm, Johnny Depp. That other drug movie. Um, yeah, it's a movie about drugs. And I wonder if uh, that holds up. <laughs> yeah. Top song. Yeah. Oh, there's a great turn by Paul Rubin in that movie. He's, you know, he played a good. That's right. Oh, yeah. Played a good scumbag. Yeah. Um, top song, Still uh, Angel by Shaggy. Oh, thank God, dude. <laughs> that song was on top for so long. Yeah. Uh, Shaggy, true king of the 90s. Uh, all right. And by the way, I'm calling it the 90s because let's be real. 2001 is still the 90s. Um, let's yeah. get in to this episode. Um, I think this is a fantastic episode. And I just want to say um, I know that I have a, a history on this podcast of uh telling the bada b stories of uh, the episode in some sort of like novelty rhyme. And I'm just not. I'm just not gonna do it this episode, Vince. Uh, I've decided. Okay. Yeah, I've decided not to. You're so, like poetry. Uh, you got over rhymes. You're just like, no. We don't do yeah, that you know, just too many rhymes, and I just, I just can't this time. So here are the Bada B stories. <clears throat> A novelty gift reminds Tony of Pussy's death. A big mouth Billy Bass. Chris sees Polly sniffing AIDS panties, making Polly a big nose smelly ass. <laughs> Junior loves Dr. Kennedy, which makes him a doc simp really trash. Carm sees a Jewish therapist who tells her the truth. Jew mouths leave his ass. All right. I did it anyways, you guys. I did it. I rhymed rhymed things and, uh, God, I put way too much work into this podcast. Um, yeah. So let's talk about it. Uh, Vince, uh, where do you want to start? Well, I wanted to ask Mike, was this, uh, I know you, you're not watching, you've seen this before, but you're not watching it in sequence was going back out of sequence. Was there anything that you felt like you missed or, or like, did was anything, uh, did anything seem out of left field or was it all pretty straightforward? So I am gonna admit something that might get me canceled or kicked off of this podcast but I oh just it'll happen <laughs> <laughs> i i i only watched 
like half of the Sopranos years mm-hmm. ago. Like I haven't, and I, I've sort of picked up all the sort of cultural moments over time and I know mm. the arcs, but this is really my first time back through. And now I, I really like this episode so much. I'm going to just go back and now do the sequential stuff. And then I oh, nice your podcast along with it. But, um, but yeah, it just, it's been, um, so you, you never fit. So you don't actually know the ending. You, you never I mean, finished I, it. I, ha- I got the ending through osmosis and like, sure. the, like discussions of what, it, what happens or doesn't right. happen or whatever. But like, I'm it'll I will be pretty fresh when I go back through it. Basically. Well, that's fun. Listen, we've had people uh, on this podcast who have not finished the series. We I think we've had a couple of people who had never seen it at all and just watched one mm. episode randomly. Right. And uh, and, you know, the truth about this podcast is uh, we don't really care. We just want guests. <laughs> <laughs> well, just I was someone available. To, someone to talk to in these lonely, lonely times. That's right. Yeah. But what it was. um It did remind me of like how I'm kind of curious if you guys think this, there's like an element of like camp to this show. Oh yes. Like is, is self-aware, right? Like it's like Mm -hmm. they, 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 it's, but I was going to get your take on it. Like, do you think that was just sort of, they were going into it with that or, or, or I don't know. Like I I think part of it is that that? TV was campier in general in, uh, Mm -hmm. in, in this time, this time period. And I think like we, remember sopranos rightly as like one of the first prestige tv shows but i think right prestige tv is less uh openly schlocky and like less less campy where i feel like Mm. the sopranos is the first prestige tv show but it still comes from you know the medium being sort of a more campy like more schlocky kind of thing you know Mm -hmm. that's a good point yeah it's 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 weirdly um ahead of its time and that's uh you know i know that's something that everyone has said uh and i am a hack so that's fine for me to say that <laughs> but uh what i mean by that is that like it is it's it's got camp but it's it's strange that a show could be so self-aware uh in the kind mm. of infancy of prestige tv mm. um because of the fact that it's like it starts off with this kind of sit sitcom uh premise and almost kind of a formula where you've got you know the Off therapy the it's a therapist right exactly Crazy. and then the therapy is like a way for you to process the emotions of the rest of the story and whatnot and you get to see it, it's like very formulaic kind of like breaking bad early seasons yeah. where it was like how am, how am i going to use chemistry to get out of this pickle i'm in <laughs> um, right right uh but uh, it definitely uh, breaks out of that mold uh, and kind of becomes its own thing, uh, and, which is impressive. Yeah. And let me just say, I, I think that TV, I think the best TV shows and the best movies really are are the ones that realize that TV is supposed to be like a little bit bad and movies are like, yeah, there's mm. supposed to be an element of, uh, you know, like they, there should be an, an element of embarrassing earnestness like in Mm-hmm. In everything, I kind of think like, anything that has a, at least a little bit of that is better. Um, yeah, things should more often than not uh, realize that they're um, unimportant. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I think I think that always uh, helps a lot. It was just one of the annoying things about um, a, a show that's this good, though, is that um, <laughs> when you once it becomes important to you, uh, then you really start becoming invested in where the writers are going to take it, which is mm. one of the reasons that you probably heard 
uh, how everyone hated the ending and whatnot. And right. like David Chase's whole thing. I think I heard him say something like, you know, at the time I was like, is this really more important than the Iraq war? And I was like, oh, <laughs> I'm going to strangle you in your fucking sleep, bro. Yeah. Like, yeah. like, how dare you? Like, damn. We, we know it's not as important as the Iraq war, <laughs> but I'd like to know what happens. I'm not a fucking come on. Oh, um, did y'all y'all uh, had to have read those like retrospectives that we did in the times a few last year or whatever like didn't we do oh what, yeah. what happened did he come out with a book i can't remember why they revisited it maybe it was like it was the 20 year anniversary of the show or whatever yeah yeah um and it was interesting it's weird i mean i brought up the camp thing because it's strange for me to come back and watch uh a show like this after becoming so, like I, I feel like i've gotten down the f not the formula but the tenor of what prestige tv shows are like now and it's mm -hmm. very much like okay i'm gonna sit down and watch um uh fuck not even the wire what's something more recent that's like prestige on hbo or let's say watchmen or something right yeah like, yeah like super gritty not mm -hmm. not realistic in the sense that the plot is realistic but just sort of like less um less sort of like acting on a stage play sort of a vibe, if that mm -hmm. makes sense. Yeah. yeah. And so it really did sort of take me back into this, into this. I mean, we were talking about Seinfeld earlier. It really kind of reminded me of Seinfeldian setups of what characters talking to each other is kind of looks like. Yeah. That makes yeah. Sense. They didn't hate uh, when they, when they made this, like they didn't run away from the idea of a scene having like a button or like, you know, yeah uh, like dialogue having like a, a scenes themselves having like a punchline and yeah and i yeah. like that i like you know at least when they're good at it it's great like yeah uh, yeah yeah so like this episode it starts with a dream sequence which which is not unusual for the sopranos but it is mm -hmm. a uh junior dream sequence which i think is the first that we've had that is a first yeah yeah mm. so th but then there's that weird moment where um uh kennedy dr kennedy this is all about this is all episode is all about dr it's all John about kennedy, kennedy. yeah <laughs> so and, he and, gets a phone yeah. call while he's doing surgery on junior which was slightly confusing to me at first because he kind of seems like he's connected oh. all the time and i don't quite understand how uh yeah no i mean it's it sounded like um that he was getting a call from like the other room that's what that's what i thought was happening and and basically they they took out the specimen or whatever um the the cancer and uh inspected it and he was trying to hurry him through the process so, he's like did i get it or not and the guy's like yeah you basically got it so the first time i saw i watched this episode i thought he was talking about junior but i think like that was like a biopsy from another patient that he was hearing about i thought when uh the second no. time I watched it, was it I really? But why would he be I getting? Didn't... He can't be getting like results of the biopsy while he's doing. I don't know how this... doctors work, bro. It yeah. could be. I don't know. They do. They do <laughs> magic no inside. It was just this weird disembodied phone call where he talks about the specimen and doesn't say anything. <laughs> to me, that was just a setup to show that um, this is an overconfident, yeah. uh, over busy surgeon who uh because he just wants like you know the, to give it to me straight doc he's saying to the guy who's like trying to tell him then we find out find out later that he's probably trying to tell him like you know you may not have gotten all of it so i would you know mm. like like it felt like he was trying to rush this dude through it yeah and uh which ended up being a mistake 
but yeah, it starts out with, um, you know, uh, junior getting the surgery and, uh, apparently Dr. Kennedy is a magic man who, uh, junior is in love with. And, uh, I actually, I, I, um, I, I just have a, a clip about what this episode's about. It's called Kennedy. Kennedy, 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 Kennedy. Kennedy. This episode is all about Kennedy. Uh, and Junior has uh, a strange obsession with his both his name uh, and with his ability that Tony doesn't share. Um, and we start out with with uh, Kennedy coming up to Tony in the group and saying that, you know, hey, he did great. We got the cancer out. Everything's good. And um there's this moment where Tony comes up to him and he says, like, hey, if there's if there's ever anything you need, you need me to do a favor for you, you know who to call. And Kennedy goes, like, I'll keep that in mind. And then Tony shoots him this look. What what do you guys Pause. think? What was going on with that look? What has he never had someone say, Oh yeah, I'll consider it before or or what? What what do you think was going on there? I was trying to figure that out. I mean, I don't know. I'm curious what you think, Vince, but it, it just seemed like he was, he didn't anticipate uh, that sort of, maybe it was he, the doctor d didn't give him like the props of saying, oh, oh, I appreciate that or think, you know, like was like as different as the yeah. idea of like a big mob boss guy was going to do you a favor. Like you should be a little more. Yeah, it was I like. Think, I yeah. think you can definitely read it as you know, him, him not showing like the expected deference. But I also think uh, you could just read it as Tony thinking this guy is kind of a smarmy prick, but not being able to put his finger on why yet. Like, you know, when you, yeah, mean, yeah. I, which I think is where we are as the audience in that scene. I feel like there's just, uh, you know, when, there's times when you meet someone and they seem like an asshole and you don't right. really have evidence for it yet. You just have like uh -huh. a feeling that's kind of mm. the way I read it. I don't know. No, uh, yeah. I, 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 I think good. that was it too, because, uh, it, it did seem like maybe he just got this feeling like this guy is up his own ass and thinks he's like Jesus, you know, reincarnated on earth. And he oh, got sure, that sure. all from, just his reaction to you know hey if uh, i'll do you a favor sometime like it, it's it's it, it was a very strange moment but it definitely if there's one thing that i think tony is i mean other than like a sociopath and all that stuff uh <laughs> it's it's that he is perceptive about uh other people's scumbaggery <laughs> you know he's it's almost like he's got like game recognized game when it comes to like uh, narcissistic douchebags <laughs> and so i think he saw a little bit of narcissistic douchebag in him and from that moment on he's kind of questioning kennedy's abilities whereas you know junior is pretty sure that kennedy is you know jesus aren't surgeons generally assholes or just like I, I very full so. of themselves right apologies I, to any of your surgeon listeners no but like, i i I think like that's true. Thing. I think that's the stereotype. Yeah. I th right. Yeah. Right. It's, but it's a stereotype that I'm only familiar with. Cause I think my mom said it to me once. Like, I don't know why I'm familiar with <laughs> on the your stereotype. Wedding day? Yeah. On my <laughs> wedding day, she was like, if you ever meet a surgeon, <laughs> tell them to go fuck themselves. <laughs> Do not no, get married. No, but, but it does. It, it, it is. It's something that I don't know why this is like a, uh, kind of like a widely known 
stereotype of surgeons because i it's not like i don't have any surgeon friends i don't got not one surgeon friend and i don't think i've met a surgeon who is why yeah maybe um yeah exactly i don't go to their hangouts we should go back to the famous weird al song like a surgeon and just see what uh Mm -hmm. you know what stereotypes he puts in there to describe (laughs) what surgeons are like (laughs) <laughs> yeah maybe but it's like it's it's a strange it's definitely a strange stereotype that exists and i, I think he's kind of like living up to it but what's strange to me the is the entire that, plot of the nick starring uh i never uh, watched that was oh that i good? love it oh i love that really? show so good i yeah. saw the first season of it and i was like pretty good i really mm. like that clive owen fella yeah. dude you know? he was i learned about him through bmw films do you know what that is what no he literally did the way you got to start was he did commercials for BMW. Clive Owen? Uh, yeah. The, yes. And they were wow. each, he did five like short films directed by like John Frankenheimer, Ang Lee, like serious directors. Yeah, literally I remember just about these. BMW. Yeah. And that's how I, that's how he became like more of a thing. That's he how he became famous. I had I, no I idea. I didn't remember that either. I didn't know that that was Clive Owen's origin story. Um, but I, 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 I did watch the Nick and I remember there being a lot of morphine in that show. And I was like, <laughs> sick. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so, uh, junior, uh, is head over heels in love with Kennedy. And one of the reasons is that he's obsessed with his name. He's obsessed with the fact that his name is Kennedy. And there's a scene where, um, Tony is just trying to convince him to see, uh, seek a second opinion. When they say you got any real food? Who knows? Kennedy's put me under a knife again. Oh, back up. More surgery? Don't you think you should talk to somebody else, you know, get a second opinion? Chemo? Forget it. With Kennedy, it's cut, zip, over and out. He has the hands of an angel. And don't forget his name. What? I'm supposed to be impressed because the man's name is John Kennedy? All the mixed name their kids that after the guy got killed. You were gone a long time. How many White Castle did you have? I didn't, I swear. I can smell them. (laughs) My nephew thinks I need a second opinion. He doesn't like it that I'm going back under a knife. Maybe there's something to that. Think on this, burger boy. (laughs) Anthony is a cunt here away from owning all of Northern Jersey. And I am that cunt here. Uh, think just, on this burger boy <laughs> think on this burger boy i just love it yeah. he immediately as soon as bobby comes home he's just like how many white castle do you have and then he's like i didn't he's like, i can smell them just the idea that he's like there's one sense that he can smell it's like i i my sense of smell is perfect and i know white castle when i fucking smell it so i, I was curious about the choice to have Junior be obsessed with uh, John Kennedy, uh, which is it's an interesting choice because, as Tony points out, like the mob doesn't like traditionally like the Kennedys, and you know probably had him killed. So uh, right, yeah. yeah, no, I, I, so, th- but if you'll notice, there's a th- there's a a theme in general with Junior and Kennedy. Like this isn't the first time that he's brought up uh, Kennedy. Didn't he have? Remember that girlfriend that he had um, who he smashed the cake into in uh-huh. like season one? Yeah. Doesn't, and, and he has like a John F. Kennedy hat or some shit. Oh. Remember? I, yeah, I don't remember the hat. And but... she and she like puts on the hat and does the happy birthday, Mr. President. Uh, and yeah, yeah, yeah. So I he, think he, it's, I, he, I think it's like he, well, between JFK and like Angie Dickinson and 
Mm-hmm. I think he has like um there's something about like that mid-century romance. Like he's very yeah. sort of media and uh movies. He's nostalgic yeah. for this very particular period in his Tom life. Curry. Yeah, Kennedy's president. And, and you know, part sure. of me is like I could see sort of a mafia admiration for Kennedy in some sense being Mm. that it's like for them, even though he's, you know, not a, even though he's Irish, he is a Catholic and also, you know, his father was a bootlegger. So in a way it was like, Hey, it's like one of us. It's nice to see the representation is important in the presidency. You know what I mean? And they also got him elected that, you know, and they got him elected, you know? So it's like, I, 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 I could see Junior having like a a Kennedy obsession, you know, kind of like thinking that he's great and whatnot. Hey, everyone. Matt Lieb here. Have you seen Chuck Norris lately? Not like around, you know, the block or whatnot. I'm not saying have you run into him at your local grocery store. I'm saying, have you seen what his body looks like? He is still kicking butt and staying active well into his 80s. And what's even more shocking is he somehow looks more jacked than ever and seems to have more energy than guys half his age. And it's all thanks to Morning Kick, a revolutionary new daily drink from Roundhouse Provisions that combines ultra-potent greens like spirulina and kale with probiotics, prebiotics, collagen, and even ashwagandha. Just mix with water, stir, and enjoy. Unlike other green drinks out there, this one actually tastes like strawberry lemonade and has hundreds of five-star reviews. Since I started drinking Morning Kick, and yes, I have started drinking it. Why? Because they sent me some. And honestly, I've never felt better. My digestion is smoother. My body looks leaner. And I have energy all day. I just, I feel younger, even though I I am a young man. I feel even younger, bro. Like, if you know anything about me, you know that I'm someone who is obsessed with gut health, all right? You know, I, I I drink kombucha. I like a I like a probiotic drink. I do all sorts of things to make sure that my gut is healthy. And I'll tell you, this is actually great for your gut, and it actually tastes good, which is not something you can say about kombucha. Let's be honest. And another thing I loved about it: easy to prepare. I love that it's just something you just mix with water and stir. I didn't have to like you know learn to make a culture from a scoby or whatever. Like I just had to. Buy some morning kick, mix it with water, stir it, drink it down. And it tasted great. So if you want something that tastes good, makes your digestion feel smoother, and make your body look leaner and give you more energy, try morning kick. Go to roundhouseprovisions.com slash pod yourself for up to 44% off your regular priced order. Plus, every purchase is backed by a 90-day money-back guarantee. So if you want to experience smoother digestion, a boost of energy, and just an overall healthier body, then go to roundhouseprovisions.com slash pod yourself today. Um, and, and you know, Vince, uh, he explains, I think, in a, in a perfectly reasonable way, um, why he does love Kennedy. Um, and it's, uh, I have a clip of it. What do you mean he's not Kennedy? You make life and death decisions because of a man's name. Let me ask you something about this JFK worship of yours. What about Hoffa and the Teamsters? That was their brother. Oh. Boom. 
That is a perfect, that's a perfectly cromulent explanation (laughs) in my opinion. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That was the brother. The brothers did all that bullshit with the, you know, uh, going after the mafia and the Teamsters union and stuff. So, you know, you can't, you can't blame the brother for the crimes of the brother. You know, that's Mm -hmm. a famous phrase in Catholicism. Anyways. (laughs) Um, so, uh, do you have Al Pacino as Hoffa in your head now? Or do you have, uh, Jack Nicholson? I, I, I or still, not, is that not a big impression on you? Yeah. I, I, I yeah. I, I gotta be honest with you. Um, I don't have any picture of Hoffa in my head when I think of Jimmy Hoffa. I, 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 I have this like okay. cartoon of, uh, of a, um, of like a person who I, some, my brain has turned Jimmy Hoffa into this cartoon that I thought of when I was a kid. The first time mm-hmm. I heard the name Jimmy Hoffa, which was in Ace Ventura Pet Detective. And so <laughs> my version of Jimmy Hoffa, it looks very strange and nothing at all like uh, Pacino or Jack Nicholson. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Um, I need to see The Irishman again. I, I, it's I hard. tried. The- it's, it's hard because like uh, he's been played by two actors who are notoriously like always themselves in a weird yeah. way. You know what yeah. I mean? Like yeah. whenever you totally. see like a Jack Nicholson movie, he's always Jack Nicholson. And whenever you see like a Al Pacino movie, he's kind of always Al Pacino. So yeah, like I don't yeah. know. I don't know how to bridge the gap between those two. That's a very good point. They, they really, you know, if you want to like, if you want to have the character be someone, you know, that you remember, you, you pick a complete unknown and you make them, you know, good at the character. Not to say that Al Pacino and, you know, uh, Jack Nicholson aren't good. I just, uh, yeah, they're, they're just, they're just them the whole time. You know, they should have got Chadwick Boseman to play him. Oh, Chadwick would have done great. (laughs) RIP. RIP to a real one. Um, but yeah, uh, so what ends up happening, at least in this storyline, is, um, you know, Tony makes him go to a cancer board or a tumor board, and they all discuss what the the options are. And Dr. Kennedy decides um, basically to he says, fuck it, because of the fact that, like, he's got some other doctor looking over his shoulder now, um, which, by the way. This episode always scared the shit out of me Um, because nothing scares me more than attempting to be an advocate for your own health and having it Mm. completely fucking backfire. (laughs) Like it's very death of a salesman, you know, like Willie Loman asking for a raise and getting fired and just trying to be like, never mind. I I will go back to work. Like it's like to me that that's very frightening. And, And it sounds pretty realistic like it's something that could happen i mean the guy already has a huge ego anyway right kennedy does and so like i could totally see i'm the same way man if i go to like i would hope to think if i had cancer i would be a better patient advocate for myself but like it's also like i don't want to piss off the doctors so i guess i'll go with what you're saying sort of yeah i mean it's not like i'm afraid I'm not afraid they're going to open me up and put more cancer in, but it's, it's like, I I am afraid that they're going to be like, you know, uh, you know, oh, so you, you think you're going to get another opinion better than me? Well, you know what? Fuck you. I'm never giving you medicine. Yeah. You know, because the second season of the Dr. Death podcast just came out, uh, today or yesterday. And like, it's basically about a guy, a doctor who gave people chemo unnecessarily who like, who like didn't even have oh. cancer, but he basically like told them they had cancer so he could 
take all get all the money from all the chemo treatments. Jesus, Jesus Christ. Christ. What the fuck? fuck? That is fucked. That is so what the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) So this is like a good one two punch of like, wow, I don't know what to do if I have uh, cancer. (laughs) I mean, I'll be honest with you. Like there is part of me that's like, you know, if you just did a little bit of chemo every day, like (laughs) you would never get cancer, right? A little bit of (laughs) chemo. Is that like eating poison for a very long yeah, time? Yeah, right, right, right. It'd be like, just keep eating a little bit of poison and then you'll never get poisoned. <laughs> no, it's I'm just, just <laughs> it's you're getting the cancer gradually used to chemo so that if you ever have cancer. Oh, you're getting super cancer. <laughs> yeah, the cancer's like, oh, no, nah, dude, we already built up a tolerance to all this. <laughs> See, this is why I'm glad that I'm not in control of my own health. Uh, because like every time I hear about anything that's like, oh, it, like, uh, like part of me is like, why don't we all do the Michael or what's his name? Uh, who was the biker with cancer? What was his name? Oh, uh, the guy who's an asshole. Yeah. Livestrong. Uh, Lance, oh. Lance Armstrong. Lance, Lance I was Armstrong. I another kind of biker, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I was thinking <laughs> yeah. the guy from Orange County Choppers. What the fuck? Vince? No, like, uh, you know how Lance Armstrong like had like a, a fridge of super oxygen blood and like that. And that's like how he cheated. But like, I feel like, okay, so you shouldn't do that if you're competing, but what if you're just like, oh, just trying to, just trying to like have a good time. I don't know. It just seems like super re- oxygen blood. Chilling? I would love to have super blood. Yeah, super blood sounds like something that we could all use. So, well, I don't know, man. If you're a tech CEO, you just get like a kid. Yeah, uh, you got a blood boy. Young, yeah, you get a blood boy. <laughs> yeah, that is very normal here. Yeah, that's right. I mean, yeah, like I, I get having a blood boy. Um, and <laughs> I, you know, I'm just saying, if you if you got the money, get that blood. But, um. Yeah, it, there's something inherently frightening about the fact that a doctor's ego um, could be the reason that you die, <laughs> you know? And uh, yeah, so he yep. ends up uh, being completely ignored by Dr. Kennedy. He's not getting any of his calls returned. And uh, and Tony uh, is mad about it and he's had enough. And he decides to go visit Dr. Kennedy on the golf course which is, um, I got to say, up until this point, this is my absolute favorite Furio scene in The Sopranos. Vince, what do you think? <laughs> oh, I mean, he's had a lot of good scenes, but yeah, this is, in terms of the entire episode, like, I don't think this is in the top 10 of Sopranos episodes, but sure. th- this scene, the Furio scene, is in my top 10 of Sopranos scenes, like, individually. It, it's, it's very good. <laughs> extremely intimidating and then was that like a recorder that he threw in the pond so this is another question i have about dr kennedy is uh so not so he's getting the disembodied phone call in the operating room in the first episode and then throughout the episode he's making notes into a recorder and i'm kind of like she's not getting those recordings in real time right so like he's does that mean he like record stuff throughout the day and then sends her like a uh, gives her the actual tape that she has to listen to all day i'm so confused at how that works this has to be like a vestige of like you take contemporary like remember i was watching mad men a while ago like and they'll do like a dictation where they sit down and dictate their thoughts and you just give them to the person at the end of the day maybe this is like pre-cell phones being good and everywhere so that was the i just i've never seen seen that it's really weird 
Yeah, um, I, it's funny that you guys say this because this whole time I thought, I don't know why, I thought that was a, a phone call. I didn't know it was a recording thing. I thought he was making a call uh, on a cell phone, but now I look back at it and I'm like, oh yeah, this is 2001. They, they didn't have fucking flip phones. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I actually, I have a clip of that scene, Vince. Anyway, what am I going to do with it? I already got one and Mr. Williams here. You don't play. Stupid the fucking game. What is it, Jack? I'll just be a minute. <laughs> well, I could use a little extra distance. Who couldn't? You know, my uncle, he's not doing so well. He's got a bad reaction to that chemo. That happens all the time. There's nothing that I, I can really do. You know, there are worse things that can happen to a person than cancer. My uncle thinks he's going to die. He's a surgeon, that's all. You gotta be on a yacht. <laughs> I really, I gotta say, I really love. I love you. You gotta be on a yacht. I forgot. Yeah. Of, of all of the things, <laughs> like every everything that he's doing, he's he's there for like kind of like tough guy emotional support, which I love. He's just like it's good cop, bad cop. Um, <laughs> But you've got to be in your hat is just the best pretense that he could think of in that moment to knock someone's hat off. It makes me wonder if there's like, is that an Italian thing? Is is there? It's very like, it's very big brotherly or like, like in, in, yeah. if someone actually has a bee on their hat, you know, it's, it's so nice. It's so old timey. Like, oh, yeah. It's it is a little big brotherly. It's it's like if he's like he just starts taking his arms and going, "Oh, why are you hitting yourself?" You know, it's just, hey, are you hitting yourself? Oh, why you do that? <laughs> I wish I could do a perfect Italian. I don't accent. know which line I like better. Uh, stupid a fucking game or stupid a uh, fucking game. You gotta be on your hat. Both, yeah, because they're both so good. And I like why? that he calls him Mr. Williams, like my associate, Mr. Williams, and he just <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he's just staring at him, stone faced. Ah. Uh, Oh yeah, Mr. Williams is just—it's an intimidatingly fake name, you know. Yeah. It's, it's like, like we respect Mr. you White. so. Yeah, we respect you so little that we're not even going to come up with like a realistic fake name. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like it's—it's it's very scary to see this like very clearly European thug, and then just like Mr. Williams here, you'd be like, oh fuck, he's going to kill me, and he has no fingerprints. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like that is very very scary. But yeah, he knocks out the recorder off of his hand uh which uh which i now realize was just his little doctor recording device um yeah and knocking that you learn yeah and and it worked it actually worked in in terms of he just goes to visit um he goes to visit furio or uh goes to visit junior at the hospital while he's getting chemo and his uh chemo doctor is tony hale yeah you guys know buster uh, bluth buster bluth himself (laughs) Who is, like, is that? Is that Buster? It is, and it's it's fantastic because uh, Buster is doing so. I'm sorry, I'll call him by his real name. Tony is doing so much <laughs> in that scene in terms of like he he is so funny without even trying. Like, because uh, Doctor Kennedy comes up to him and he goes, "You got a top guy here." Pats him on the shoulder, and Tony just gives him this look. Like, like is he talking about me? <laughs> and then and then while he's continuing to have the conversation you see uh tony hale just looking at the uh saline bag very confused 
he's just he's like he's poking at it and it's all happening in the background and i'm like god damn it that dude is a genius he's one of the funniest people in the world in my opinion love him it was yeah excellent excellent about typecast oh yeah but but yeah so that is you know mostly what's going on with junior meanwhile tony is having a rough one so uh Tony's, I think, main role in this episode is just to be kind of a receptacle for um, other people's Michigas. And um, the, the only uh, the only kind of like individual storyline that he has just himself is this um, uh, this scene that he has with the big mouth Billy Bass, <laughs> yeah. which is uh, makes multiple appearances in this episode, which um, is big for you, Matt. It is very big for me. Um, as some of uh, the listeners to my uh, my Vince's previous our, our other podcasts, the Frogcast, know, um, you know, Big Mouth Billy Basses and I have a a long <laughs> sorted history. You have a thing. Um, well, you see, when, so Mike, uh, I apologize. can I call you Mike? Uh, please, please, please. <laughs> well, so when when I was a kid, you see, uh, we had a Big Mouth Billy Bass. Um, and uh, as I, I was like in seventh grade, and I saw that it like uh, it had a robot mouth. Um, did, you, did you fuck the mouth? Uh, no, no. <laughs> I, well, I, yeah, I, I don't know it. you that well. I'm just no, bad. that is correct. Uh, but <laughs> the problem, that, so I didn't actually because you can't fuck the mouth. But I was very intent on on doing it, so I just ripped off the skin and I masturbated <laughs> with it. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, the the skeleton was still singing oh. while it happened. So I have so you had a, an audience. Yeah, yeah. I had a I, I had music, a musical Ooh. accompaniment to me just uh, masturbating, saying, "Take me to the river." Oh. And so yeah, I have a I have a, a history with Big Mouth Billy Bass. So this is a very That's like important a Hemingway episode. Six word memoir. The skeleton was still singing. Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh I like yeah! I like, you're like, well, I can't fuck the mouth, so I'll just masturbate with its <laughs> well, skin. Sometimes you're already halfway there. You know what I mean? You're like, sure. I've already brought it from you know the mantle to <laughs> did you my to, room. What did you do to hide the evidence? Did you just like bury it in the yard or? No, 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 under the bed. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so yeah. I just threw everything under the bed. I, I we had uh, in my family, you know, everyone knew under the bed off limits. Okay, uh, yeah, that's pretty smart. There was like that's the under the bed is where all the secrets go. Yep. Um, yep. Because were you also a Catholic like me? No, no, we just uh, we just like to we just put everything that we masturbated with in under the bed. That, like <laughs> my dad's, all of his porns were under his bed. My mom yep. had a, a vibrator under her bed, uh, <laughs> and so I was like, I'm gonna put it under my bed. And rules are rules, that's, and it was fine. Um, respect the bed rule. That's very yeah. healthy. Yeah. Yeah, family to have. Yeah, you really got to throw things out when they start to smell. So let's move on. Uh, <laughs> So it, it does make an appearance and it's very good. Um, uh, Chris, can we talk and about how, how Georgie is just the? Oh yeah, he's just the guy that everybody beats up when they want to f- feel strong about something. Like, yeah, he is. He is the punching bag. I mean, because in the pecking order of the mafia, uh, a a bartender slash bouncer is the lowest 
you know, rung on the totem pole, mm-hmm. you know? So I, I feel, and, and also he's a big dude. He's, you he's know so I mean? unimportant mm-hmm. that he has to actually do work. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's like doing accounting and shit like that. Like he's, he's doing, he's doing actual, like he's, he gets paid a salary. Uh, and, uh, in fact, I, I have a clip of Tony, um, discovering the big mouth Billy Bass. Oh, what's up? Hey, Tony. Matt's getting aroused right now. <laughs> anyway, what all's a pound? <laughs> Rip off its skin and fuck it. <laughs> Georgie, it's wacky, huh? What do you think? It's a fucking playroom back there? What, Tom? What, what? Fucking toys? It's a place of business. That's an office back there. I saw it right in. They were selling them. What? What did you say? Fucking oh. oh. I pay you a fucking salary. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that he pays Tony a salary or Tony pays him a salary is just uh that's just a great button to the scene where he's like, <laughs> yeah. hey, listen, you're getting benefits here. Yeah. Do not bring <laughs> all right. a right aid novelty gift you into have this a 401k establishment. You have a 401k. Bank, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Do you think that uh the big mouth Billy Bass was like the last the vast the last ubiquitous novelty gift like i feel like mm. i don't know i i'm trying to think of what what the last one was i mean i remember there was the remember the guy with no pants you would stick to the, the, your yeah. back window of your car and you you would you'd you know squeeze the thing and his pants would drop mm-hmm. you guys <laughs> truck nuts <laughs> oh, oh i do truck nuts yeah, truck nuts are also, uh, that's, I mean, but that's not really a novelty gift so much as it is um, just something that's super cool. Um, <laughs> what about the drinking bird? Do you remember that? The yeah, I do, but that's that's way older than Big Mouth okay, Billy Bass. I, I forgot to mention I'm 92 years old. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's the, there's like the, the sculpture thing it looks like a little african man like in a barrel and you lifted the barrel and he had like a big it was it had a big dick on a spring i don't i don't know I this don't one, know that one but I that think sounds bill clinton actually had i remember that partly <laughs> because we had one and i know bill clinton bill clinton like ordered an aide to go get him one because he thought it was so funny apparently <laughs> jesus, jesus we should have known yeah we uh, should have known at the time i don't um, know but all i can think of is like i don't know fidget spinners and like tickle me elmo and, uh, and yeah yeah fidget spinner i think that's that's kind of i mean the it's not novelty though i don't know if there has been a novelty gift that has has surpassed the big mouth billy bass i think it's just it's like that was mm-hmm. the we reached peak novelty gift in 2001 yeah. and people you know what happened 9-11 that's why that's why the terrorists hated that's our right. freedom they saw yeah, that terrorists and- saw that and they were like well you know while you're taking these fish to the river and dropping them in the water and sometimes ripping off the skin and fucking them you know we are being exploited by your country and then and then did terrorism um but yeah moving on um <laughs> The one thing I, I do love about uh, the, the appearance of the Big Mouth Billy Bass is um, so Tony uh, or so Chris and Polly have this whole storyline, right? And just to go through it real fast, it's basically um, Chris is getting fucked with because he's newly made and Polly mm. is like, hey, new rules. We get to strip search you whenever and blah, blah, blah. And um, at some point, 
uh, during like a random search, Polly goes into Chris's underwear drawer or um, into AIDS underwear drawer and starts sniffing her panties. Um, and this causes some friction. Chris tells Tony and um, Tony actually basically lays down the law with Polly and says like, you can't do that, which by the way is a really great, it's a really great scene because uh, he has some rules, you know, around that where he's, where he basically tells them, Hey, you know, as soon as they're married, then, you know, uh, hands off, you know, but like he, he, he's like, I can fuck with this kid as much as I want to, including smelling his fiance's panties up until the point that they are married in the eyes of God, which, uh, which I absolutely love. Um, yeah. No ring. That, you're allowed to sniff the panties. Right. And everyone knows that's in the Bible. That's just, that's just a rule. Everyone when knows. When she's married, hands off. But until then, those are community panties. Anybody. That's can- right. That's right. That's for everybody. Everybody gets a taste. Uh, but what I love is that. He's going to wet his beak. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that is. That is perfect. That's that is what this episode should be called. Alternate alternate title: Wetting Your Beak on AIDS Panties. Um, but uh, what I love is that uh, this the Big Mouth Billy Bass comes back uh, as this weird kind of mea culpa. It's not even a mea culpa because he he doesn't say sorry. But they have this very tense scene in the car uh, where um, I actually I have a, a clip of that for right. people it is called i got it i got it okay so what is this huh? some new rule about who i fuck you want more shoes what no funny thing is they don't even fit her i don't know why i thought she was a size 10 i don't know either i'm here to tell you one thing you ever go whining to the big man again about shit between you and me we'll have a problem my friend you seen these fuck is that my godson got it for me they were all over the fucking place (laughs) (laughs) just just the the dumb laughter around watching a big mouth billy bass two literal psychopaths sharing a laugh over a singing fish just like that's the show you know it's one of the things it's one of the reasons i'm like sopranos is the best show ever made that's why the billy bass was popular right there you know bringing people together yeah exactly mortal mortal enemies who you know may or may not try to kill each other at some point the you panties know? are water under the bridge. Exactly. After that, right. Exactly. After on, after right? that, that's that's the best. I'm sorry, someone can get. Seriously. So I, I I'm now thematically connecting in my mind. It didn't have it didn't occur to me necessarily when I watched the episode, but uh, you know, uh, Polly being mad at Christopher for like breaking the chain of command is uh, similar to uh, Tony getting mad at Angie Bump and Sarah for mm-hmm. for like you know telling on him to his wife. Uh, in the same way interesting i had had, so i didn't think about that yeah so i had a question about that so um basically uh you know angie runs into carmela at the grocery store and complains about her dog needing an operation um and then you know carmela tells tony about it and he shows up at her house and uh, the way he describes it is is he, he gets pissed when he sees that she's driving around in a cadillac 
and mm-hmm. meanwhile bitching for money for the dog he breaks her windows and and her tail light and then and then he's like petting the dog and uh and he's like i don't know dog looks fine to me and then they have that moment yeah. and i don't know if we're supposed to believe that angie bump and sarah was actually like lying about the dog and was trying to like do a kind of a shakedown move of her own or yeah what? i couldn't tell i couldn't tell like you know because she goes it comes and goes and <laughs> it, like she sounded in that exact moment like she was lying but yeah. everything else up until that point it just seems like a really roundabout con so i couldn't imagine that she was actually conning him uh trying to get more money for a dog operation but then again you know who knows what these people yeah yeah she had the caddy and uh you know carmela has proven herself uh, proves herself to be sort of a soft touch uh for people who need money as um Mm. as we see in the other storyline which is the uh the dean of the dean of fucking columbia of all things (laughs) trying to get fifty thousand dollars out of a of a mob wife which uh, yeah. I got, I'm kind of with Tony on this one. That's kind of a. Yeah. They probably have like a billion dollar endowment, and they're trying to shake down the mob wife. It is. It is definitely one of the the times in the show where I'm like, uh, "Hey, Carm, maybe listen to Tony on this one." Like he literally <laughs> he knows a thing or two about extortion, and this is something that you should seriously consider. Being that you're already giving this school tens of thousands of dollars in tuition payments it's just it's kind of insane um but she's for some reason sees it's a way of um i think for her laundering blood money uh Mm -hmm. and and put and it kind of like putting it to good use like if we're if we're gonna live um off of other people's blood the way we do it'd be nice for it to mean something i think it's mean something beyond helping our child get out of you know this life or whatever yeah. i think it's also i i want our names to be attached to something that's not the mafia like uh, if it's yeah. attached to a building at this columbia not- it's like you know it's i totally didn't even think about that with the the other therapist that carm goes to see as yes. well and yes. sort of like saying you are now complicit uh, yeah and and if you didn't know that before you know that now because i'm telling you that now and yeah like, and he wouldn't take the mob money basically yeah he straight up is like i won't take blood money i like yeah. that i like that storyline because like the whole time with melfi you're like god damn it carmela just uh just open up you'll have one confidant in this world that you can actually yeah. talk to and then she actually goes to the other shrink and you're like ah finally uh carmela's <laughs> gonna be able to open up and stop being so goddamn guarded and and uh mm-hmm. and, and lying to herself all the time um, and then she gets like the meanest <laughs> fucking therapist fucking in the world. Giant asshole. <laughs> she gets uh, the best shrink. And it's, <laughs> it comes at a point in the show where I think the show is so, um, has become so aware of what it's doing with the Melfi scenes that they were like, what if instead we, um, have kind of like the opposite of Melfi, kind of a complete no bullshit, like judgmental therapist. I, I, I love it. And I think it's like, it's the only time this therapist makes an appearance on the show. And it is, it's just the best therapy scene in the Sopranos. Before we go, I just want to play a, one of the clips from that. Uh, it's called, I, I got yeah you can say the name of it if you'd like to well i I forgot what it was called jew something it's called jew therapy (laughs) okay (laughs) yeah play jew therapy one okay i may be overstepping my boundaries here but 
You are Jewish, aren't you? Is that relevant? Well, us Catholics, we uh, place a great deal of stock in the sanctity of the family. And I am not sure that your people... I've been married for 31 years. Well, then you know how difficult it can be. He's a good man. He's a good father. Are you tell me he's a depressed criminal. Is that your definition of a good man? I thought psychiatrists weren't supposed to be judgmental. Many patients want to be excused for their current predicament because of events that occurred in their childhood. That's what psychiatry has become in America. Visit any shopping mall or ethnic pride parade to witness the results. I'm so confused Dad? about the... God damn. I'm Dad, so con- is that you? <laughs> I'm so confused about the ethnic pride parade part of that. Like, what did that <laughs> It felt like such projection that I was like, this just sounds like something my dad would have said at some point. It just, it was this, like... You know, uh, th- this idea of like, oh, everyone wants a participation trophy. You want to get a, you want to get a round of applause because you're ethnic. Like, <laughs> it's, just, it's, it's, it, but it was such a weird kind of like uh, departure from where what he was actually talking about that I was <laughs> yeah. like. I, I just thought it was beautifully written. This character was so funny. And the first character, I think, in the show who was bluntly said, you're you're in the mafia and uh, you're, your husband should be in jail and you need to get out now. Mm-hmm. And then he says, at least now you can't say that no one has ever told you. And right. uh, mwah, beautiful. <laughs> I, I loved it so much. Um, she got the exact wrong person for her or maybe right person. I don't know. But like, yeah. if you're, if the goal is to at least ease some of her pain and whatever, we let us get to her. She got the yeah. wrong guy. Well, yeah. it's, she, yeah. it didn't, it didn't work though. Cause she kind of yeah. just turned back on him. She's like, Oh, well, you know, <laughs> this is what Jews would tell you, but right? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, the, the moments of anti-Semitism in this episode are great because it's like stuff like you're Jewish, so you don't understand, you know, being in love. And, <laughs> and he's like, yeah, you don't have respect for marriage. And he's like, oh, no, I think you're thinking of the Puerto Ricans. Uh, yeah, right. Excuse me. You're thinking of uh, the blacks and the single mothers. Like, I love <laughs> yeah, it's such like a weird like they both did racism. Like they she, both did racism. She tried to do different. Ra- <laughs> she tried to do racism on him and he's like oh no 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 i i can do better but that's what out. i love about i love that they're just both characters are are doing it and it's just oh it's just different shades of of white people who think they're ethnic and it is it is it is beautiful um and yeah uh all in all i gotta say um you know solid b plus for this episode uh just uh yeah. Just a, a lovely, a lovely ride all the way through. The solidest. You know? So there we had we in our gabaf gabavafangul section, in which uh, you know we try to explain some of the Italian slang words. Uh, there was uh, Christopher was saying that was Polly was being a spacon, and mm-hmm. uh, and I looked it up, and of course we have a Stevie B uh, to explain that for us, who explains all of our uh, Italian slang words. Um, so here we go. Hey, how you all doing? I'm Stevie B. I want to give a special Italian-American slang one of the day. Shout out to David Florenzano. And the word of the day, spacone. Spacone. Every once in a while, payday for the shop. I'll be over at Louie joint. Who shows up? Good-looking charlutes. 
He just got paid. And good-looking Chalutz is throwing money around, acting real important like he's somebody, acting like a real spock on. <laughs> Every so often I'll stop by the local tavern to decompress. If it's a Friday payday, I'll probably see handsome Charles. Having just received his pay, he tends to try to impress, buying the ladies drinks and such. Handsome Charles acts like he's a real big shot. Spock on it. Gotta love Stevie B. Oh my he God, takes, that was amazing. He, he's just incredible. At some point, we're going to get him on the podcast. He's just some dude we found on YouTube and uh, <laughs> he's a genius. What can I say? He's a real <laughs> Spock on it. I forgot what he said at standard. Oh, it means big shot. That's what big I mean. Shot. Big shot. Uh, he actually is a Spock on he is. He is. Big shot. And uh, speaking of Spacones, thank you. <laughs> Thanks so oh, much for, I'm for coming on, Mike. Uh, we really appreciate you. Where where can uh, where can people find you on like Twitter or, you know, oh, Instagram? Yeah. No, this is super fun. You have really officially inspired me to go back and watch the series now. And you have a listener. Nice. And me, this Spacone right here will listen Hell to Hell yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I'm on Twitter at, at Mike Isaac, I-S-A-A-C, uh, or you can read my technology coverage in the New York Times or get that book or, I don't know, maybe more podcasts. I'll, do, yeah. I'll do this one again when you get close to the end or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd love to have you back on. Right on. Thanks for coming on. Frogcast at gmail.com for all your questions, comments, concerns. Uh, Patreon.com slash Frogcast. Uh, that's where you can donate to our Patreon and hear bonus episodes of Vince and I talking about other shows, not just The Sopranos, but everything. And, you know, even if you don't, uh, you know, listen to the Frogcast, maybe you just want to donate because we do this podcast for free. Patreon.com slash Frogcast. Vince, what's the Google Voice number? 415-275-0030. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, don't stop believing. Don't stop. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for three forty nine dollars a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.